Tonight on Love and Respect, a conversation with comedian, actor, and former In Living Color star, Tommy Davidson. Stand-up, personally, to me, is, is, is just, as a, as a performer, is the bomb because I'm not, in de I'm not dependent on anything. Yeah. It's me. So you get my mind, you get my perspective. I get to take you on a ride. And it's, 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 it's an art form. Yeah. You know, and it is the, 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 the backbone of my whole career. Tommy Davidson, coming up right now. Tommy, thank you for coming Thanks to Love for and Respect. Me. Thanks I, for having me. You played a tremendous part in my life. Um, so one of the first places I ever recall seeing you, I believe it was a Robert Townsend special. Okay, okay. And you were like one of the first guys out. You were, you were, I, I'll never forget you were doing impressions. Mm -hmm. And to be an impression, you, you don't have to literally look and sound like her, but you just have to catch their spirit. I saw you within the course of eight minutes capture Prince, Al Jarreau, mm -hmm. and Michael Jackson, and Rick James. Yeah, yeah. And my mother was a big music uh -huh. fan, so I knew every imitation was dead on. You had me cracking up then and now. I watched it again this morning. Uh -huh. It's still just as funny. I think and, so, too. So, so <laughs> like, where, where did the impressions come from? Where did, like, you... You were dead on. I didn't, I didn't um, know that they were even called impressions until I was like a couple of years into doing stand-up. Yeah. Because I always imitated things. Yeah. You know, my, my, I'd, I'd be around the house doing algero. You know, my mother would be like, can you shut that up, please? You know? <laughs> then she saw him on TV one time, and she turned to me and said, do that again? You know, so I, I knew it was the, fun to do. The algero McDonald's bit uh -huh. was hilarious. I got a taste for McDonald's right, right on, on the tip, tip of, of my, my tongue. tongue. Keep going. I no. <laughs> Come on, you got that. I don't have it. I got a taste for McDonald's right on the tip of my tongue. I'm going to tell you all you got a taste for McDonald's. I've got to have me some. Ooh, give me dirty. Oh, I love to taste it. Love some golden fries. Like by the time he finished, people had a count going. You, you're too good. I can't. <laughs> but I remember coming back to school and everybody mm -hmm. imitating whichever their favorite was. Al Jarreau was funny to me. Okay, okay. He was jazzed by nature, but everybody loved the Prince. Yeah, yeah. My mom you. loved the Rick James and the Michael Thank Jackson you. was just the icon of our time. You killed it. Oh man, it was. Speaking of icon of time, those artists were so big at the time. Yeah. You know, if you look back at that now, that's almost 30 years ago. Yeah. So those artists were hot, 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 hot. hot. I. So I was really, really proud to be able to bring that forward and bring that to the audience. Yeah, you crushed it. And then the next time I remember seeing you pop up is on this amazing show that comes out while I'm in high school called A Living Color. Yeah, Larry Brown Color. You walk on the moon like a balloon. <laughs> Never too soon. Take it from me as I like to be. In living color. And how would you feel knowing prejudice was obsolete and all mankind danced to the exact beat and at night it was safe to walk down the street. In living Um, uh, Ebony, uh, uh, Townsend. <laughs> uh, who the hell are you, man? Who's asking? What was crazy about Living Color is we were a generation that had grown mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. um, my grandparents raised me, so I grew up watching Carol Burnett's show. Okay. Grew up watching 
Barbara Mandrell and her sisters grew up watching variety and sketch shows. Lawrence Welk. But, <laughs> but we weren't, but we didn't see us on there. Uh-huh. And, and not uh-huh. that they weren't, they were great shows. Mm-hmm. You never thought about, why don't we have a black version? And then the Wayans family comes in, wham! Yep. Right. Yep. And, and you guys, mm-hmm. I literally remember it just being like hyperspeed. You guys were music, you were fashion, mm-hmm. you were comedy, mm-hmm. you were culture. Mm-hmm. Could you talk about In Living Color, the invite? Mm-hmm. Can you talk about the acceptance? And did you, when you finally right, said, okay. I made it, did you feel like, man, I'd have made it, I'd, I'd, I'd have did it? Because <laughs> you're on TV and it's a, it's a hit show. Yeah, I felt, you know, the first time I got on camera, I, I froze. Really? Because the reality hit me. Um, I'd worked in all those years and then I finally was on TV. And that red camera came on and I realized, all these people are gonna see me. Yeah. And I was like, I, I, you know, and people were coming over to me, you all right, you all right, you all right. Finally, Damon Williams comes up to me, he said, boy, you work too hard for this. Yeah. You know, you got your family, you got, hey, you work for this and you deserve it. So I just, I ain't turned off since. I see. I haven't turned off since. Good evening, people. Welcome to the Hollywood School of Self-Defense. Now stand to greet your sensei, Sweet Tooth Jones. Right on. Let me ask you about In Living Color. So you guys, a lot of you guys kept, um, kept tight, whether mm-hmm. it was the Wayans, David Allen Greer. I've heard um, Jim Carrey even speak to the fact that no white shows would hire him. Mm-hmm. He got hired by, so he's always given praise. You have continued to work with people mm-hmm. post In Living Color, right? What, what has kept you continuing to work with the people you like so much? And what's kept that family unit? Because it's provided tons of great entertainment right, right, for us, right. which means at some point everybody put their ego to the side. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I think it was a, a combination of my life experience and um, my experience of becoming an artist on all levels. Yeah. And the experience that came from that, but mainly talent, mainly my talent. You know, my talent is God-given and that gift has taken me so many places. Yeah. And Post in Living Color gave me a chance to use my other talents in other areas. And plus I love people. Yeah. I just love people. All of us, you know, were really tight from back then, and we've, we see each other all the time. Yeah. Because we're all in the same circle. We're all doing what we do, you know. I really see you guys as opportunity, or that family in mm-hmm. particular, mm-hmm. and post that stuff you've done, we talk about later in the interview, as opportunity mm-hmm. providers. And it seems like the people that were involved in the show are of good character, too. Yeah, oh, yeah. That. Oh, yeah. It's a great family. You know, they, they kiss each other on cheek when they see each other, man. So you're part of this big family. This family is a, it's at the beginning, it's a huge hit, and the world knows you for it, mm-hmm. but I never knew that your family didn't look like you. Right, And right. you ended up writing a book, um, Living in Color. Mm-hmm. And by, by the way, my family is a, a family of Kodiak bears. Just to get that straight. Yeah, yeah, straight. <laughs> I would have called them polar bears. But you're, you're, you were... Actually, golden marmosets. Shut You know what those are. No, no, go ahead. You're at 18 months old, uh-huh. you're abandoned. Uh-huh. And you're adopted by a white couple and white family. You have mm-hmm. two siblings that are white. Your mom and dad are white. 
they divorced at five. But what was it like? You know, because I'm from Atlanta. I didn't even have three white teachers my whole life. Yeah, I, I'm from a neighborhood wow. that was started by right. black folks. So I didn't really get to know white okay, folks that okay, was in my okay. team. What was that like? What was it like growing up in a family of people who didn't look like you, mm -hmm. but obviously loved you? Right, right. And in writing your memoir, mm -hmm. it was almost a challenge from your sister uh -huh. saying, you never talk about our mom. Mm -hmm. So well, how? Be, I never thought of them as white. Gotcha. Because I didn't know what white was. Yeah. You know, when I, when I um, from 18 months to five, that was my family. So yeah. what I knew was love um, and um, I knew friendship and I knew honesty. Like my family talked about a lot of stuff. We, we had discussions and, you know, we were very, very, very tight. So I didn't know that. I didn't know anything about black and white gotcha. until, I, until I turned like five. And what happened at five that you... Uh, we moved from Fort Collins, Colorado uh -huh. to Washington, D.C. And we moved there during the riots of 68 when, when King got shot. Gotcha. So when we moved in, ironically, the, the riots that I'm seeing now, I saw them as a little kid. Yeah. That was the first thing I saw was fires and people running everywhere and tear gas and all this thing, you know? And me and my sister, my brother, are going, what the hell is going on? Yeah. What have we moved into? You know? Um, so it wasn't until a couple of days later, um, and, until things calmed down, maybe it had been a couple months later, we, we went out to try to play with the kids. Yeah. You know? And... The black kids that I know were black then beat our asses every day. And they were calling my sister and my brother White Cracker. Yeah. And they were calling me White Cracker Lover. Yeah. This is when the black and white stuff came in. So I went to my mama, I got mad, you know, I'm like, yeah. why are they calling me a white cracker lover? I like graham crackers. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean I'm five. <laughs> graham white crackers are kind of yeah. kind of dry, you gotta have water with them or something. Or you gotta have some macaroni salad or something. You'd be done died of a white cracker, you know. But you have a graham cracker. You go down, slide on down with some yeah, apple juice. You know? Sweet, yeah. Yeah. So she said, "That's what people your color call people our color when they don't like them." And I was like, "Okay. Well, what color are they?" She said, "They're black." And I said, "No, they're brown, because I learned my colors from the crayons." Yeah. She said, I know, but that's what we call it. Yeah. Right? And I was like, that's stupid. Right? You're hating someone for a color they really aren't. Yeah. You know, um, we um, eventually moved from that neighborhood to the suburbs as uh, something that would really change. Your adoptive parents divorced at five. Mm -hmm. You end up in D.C. You see the products of the results mm -hmm. of racism mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. through riots and mm -hmm. through black people, kids mm -hmm. kind of pushing back on mm -hmm. you. You, you, you're not accepted or you hear the word for the first time, um, you, you start, start to learn. But then at some point you get black friends. Mm -hmm. and, and I understand that the guys with you today has known you since you were nine years old. You uh, guys have been mm -hmm. tight. Can you, can you talk about what does black friendship or building friendships, mm -hmm. um, what does that feel like or what is it like? Does it start to transform or soften some of the BS you're going through? Could you talk about friendship? When I first moved to, to uh, D.C. where I lived, I had all different kinds of friends. Gotcha. When I was like, I'd say anywhere from seven to nine, mm -hmm. you know? And so in my backyard, I, I, I had Nigerian friends, Indian friends, Latino friends, yeah. you know, and we all were friends, you yeah. know? Not like the friends that's on TV that they don't have any black friends. Yeah. But, but, <laughs> um, 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 but 
those were like those were like my buddies. Yeah. You know, but as as I got older and the uh, neighborhood started changing, a lot of kids started moving to the neighborhood from in the city. Yeah. From from in in the inner inner city. Yeah. You know, I lived in sort of a combination between the suburb and the city, so we were kind of a, a in between point. So all of the things that come with that, yeah. all of the things that come with that, all the, you know, the violence and all the, all the, all the, all the crime and all the stuff that that, that comes with that, yeah. you know. And when I look back on it all now, it's it's a it's a natural outgrowth yeah. to stick together in those in those settings. The extreme would be gangs. Yes. Sir. So that's really the 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 uh, conjugal reality of it. Yeah. You know. But growing up in that setting. Uh, did force me into who I am yeah. as a black person, but it didn't necessarily have to do with violence. It didn't necessarily have to do with crime. It had to do with culture too. Yeah. For so, instance, in the first grade, when I when I went the first grade, um, they were teaching us the pledge of allegiance. Yes. So I threw up the black power fist. Yeah. You know, and um, I got in trouble for it by the principal. And they all walked me down to the principal and he was like, this guy's, you know, he thinks he's a comedian. That's the first time I heard that. I'm like, maybe one day I will be, you know. <laughs> um, um, so I get down to the principal's office and he's like, you're, you're, you're the funny guy, you know. So he called my mom. I'm like, you don't want to do that, boy. You don't want to call her. She was, she was something, boy. She come in there. She said, she said, what's the problem? And they said, he um, raised the black power fist in class when we were doing the Pledge of Allegiance. And she said, that's all he knows about himself. That's what he knows. You know, he knows about the movement of his people. Yeah. He, um, he loves James Brown, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. It's what he knows. Yeah. Now he will learn what you have to teach him, but it's like the first day of school, yeah. you know? And then I got in trouble later on, but not trouble, but she said, you know, there's a place for everything, yeah. you know? And she was kind of, really that kind of balanced person. Yeah. She said school is for everyone in every color. Yeah. You know, and, and that will become a movement for everybody. Yeah. You know. So all black school, I got in trouble mm -hmm. for not standing for the Pledge of Allegiance. Oh, really? Because conservative black folks believe in this country. Let me Kaepernick on the phone. <laughs> Kaepernick, <laughs> Kaepernick, Cal where are you, Kaepernick? <laughs> Talk about stand up. Because now as more comedians are coming mm -hmm. offline and things of that nature, everything from TikTok to fan base right, right. has an opportunity for mm -hmm. young, young people. But um, say Ryan Davis is a friend of mine. Mm -hmm. he, I found him on, on, on Instagram, mm -hmm. but his stand-up is mm -hmm. sharp and amazing. Okay. Talk about what makes stand-up a place of it therapeutic mm -hmm. for you or a place mm -hmm. of sanity for you. What is it about doing stand-up that keeps you coming back when you may mm -hmm. not have to? Mm -hmm. uh, it's a place I can... Pay my mortgage and my child support payments. Straight up, give it up, give it up. God, thank you, my brother. The road. I'm on alimony tour. The road. <laughs> I look like Kermit the Frog right now. Okay. Um, um, no, you know, stand up personally to me is, is, is just as a, as a performer is the bomb because I'm not, in de I'm not dependent on anything. Yeah. It's me. So you get my mind, you get my perspective. I get to take you on a ride. And it's 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 an art form, yeah. you know, and it is the 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 backbone of my whole career, yeah. you know. But we had a plan. We had a plan. We had a 15-year plan. I was gonna do start as a stand-up, mm -hmm. go into TV, mm -hmm. have specials, mm -hmm. go from that to movies, then go from that into um, music, literature, directing, producing, and all that stuff. 
And actually, we did it within, uh, we did it within those years. Mm -hmm. And now, I'm at that cycle where I can pretty much do anything that I want to do. So you could do mm -hmm. um, what Robert Townsend did for you. You can mm -hmm. do for other people. Mm -hmm. What King yeah. and the cast, you can do for other mm -hmm. people. I do it all the time. You have a beautiful wife. Hold on, let me put this here really quick. <laughs> No. Your wife is smoking hot. She looks uh, like thank Coco. You, man. Stuff, thank right? you, so, you, you, man. Thank you. Chris Rock said. <laughs> Chris Rock said she looked like Coco in high school. Yeah, that's what I'm you saying. But I mean? yeah, yeah, you see, definitely Coco niece. I, people who don't know what you're talking about, I see is married to a very voluptuous, beautiful woman uh -huh. who happens to be white. You uh -huh. are uh -huh. also. She, uh -huh. she, she looks like she's on point. Y'all uh -huh. always look slick uh -huh. together. You guys have some, some. First of all, tell me about her. Okay. And why'd you marry her? Is did she similar to your mom? Mm. Was there something that brought you? Was it integrity principle mm -hmm. or the fact she just dropped dead fine? Um, that's part of it right okay. there. Okay, now I have to admit that's that part when I talk about my part wife, of it. she was fine. You know, um, no, it, it was just, it, it was about a relationship gotcha. and the type of relationship that I wanted. You know, and, um, I, you know, to tell you the truth, earlier in my life, I didn't want to get with a white woman because I thought that people would think, oh, it's because you got a white family and yeah, yeah. this and the other, but I'm smart enough as a man and have, uh, have enough um, experiencing relationships and watching relationships and knowing, you, you know, I, don't, I haven't mastered them, but yeah, but yeah. but my choosing process had to do with where I was in my life yeah. and where she was in her life yeah. and how I thought that that would work uh, complementary for the two of us. Yeah. You know, it would benefit the both of us. You yeah. Know? And 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 in benefiting the both of you guys, mm -hmm. you guys seem to have benefited. The world in that you created um, mm -hmm. tongue in cheek. Mm -hmm. um, you want to talk about that and ties it bind. You created a for-profit business, mm -hmm. and and meaning you create ties uh -huh. and things of that nature. Ralph Lauren started making ties. Mm -hmm. It's now a company that's probably going to be bought by Louis Vuitton one day and, and a billion-dollar company. Mm -hmm. But yet, mm -hmm. beyond for-profit, you and your wife decided to help men and women, mm -hmm. men in particular mm -hmm. that are going back into the workforce. Mm -hmm. um, friend of mine named Seth out in LA does something similar, mm -hmm. but you provide ties and you provide mm -hmm. a look so that when people going in for jobs and things, mm -hmm. they're going in with a sense of dignity. Because mm -hmm. what Deion Sanders said, look good, because when you look good, you play good, and when you play good, they pay good. Thank you. You're helping yeah. people to- that's, um, the, that's the D right there, what's up D? Talk to, talk to me about your companies mm -hmm. and your charitable work that you and Amanda are doing in terms of helping people. It's just a balance. It's just a balance, you know. Um, my mother worked for Housing and Urban Development, so she would do a lot of housing work for Section Eight. She always was involved with with, with people in the in the neighborhood. She was like an activist in the neighborhood. Yeah, she she um she convinced the the police department to not have officers come to our neighborhood unless they were called. Yeah, because we were having a lot of trouble with that. She also changed. Um, she also changed our apartments into co-op properties so that everybody can buy their own yeah. apartment. And she also would bring groceries home when we was on welfare and start sending kids home with food. You know, so that I mean, I think that's the root yeah. of it. Just knowing how, knowing how, um, how special it is now at 58. You know, looking back as a as a nine year old. I'm like, what are you giving him that for? Yeah. This little kid's walking out the house with a with a carton of milk that's bigger than him, you know? Yeah. And she get mad at me. She, you don't tell me what I give somebody something for. Yeah. You be thankful for what you got. What do you have? Do you have something? Absolutely. And I was like, yeah. So those 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 were squeezed into me. Yeah. 
you know, and then just watching the world at large. Yeah. Like my first job at IHOP, I was, um, there was a woman who lived in my neighborhood, African woman, and a white customer walked in and was like cussing her out, calling just all kinds of the worst stuff. You know, and then when the manager came out there, he said, you're fired to her, to her. So I made a decision at that point that, you know, um, one, I'm never going to be in a position or I don't want to be in a position. I don't want to. Yeah. As, 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 uh, as, um, as much as I can be in a position where someone can control Absolutely. my destiny. Absolutely. And I also um, encourage and have worked for people in the workplace yeah. to feel a sense of worth because, like I said, yeah. you know, the pressure that this con uh, uh, country brings to the table, yeah. it's, it's about getting to the top. Yeah. You know what I mean? But look at all the people at the bottom. You have a very Moses-like mm -hmm. existence, and mm -hmm. a child that was abandoned mm -hmm. and raised um, mm -hmm. with people who were honestly mm -hmm. considered the power mm -hmm. facing this country. It's just an mm -hmm. amazing outcome. And so thank your mom, mm -hmm. thank your siblings, you uh, know, thank, thank the mm -hmm. friendship circle you've had, because we truly have a treasure in you, and I appreciate you mm -hmm. for representing mm -hmm. on love and respect. Thank you so much. <laughs> love you, brother. Thanks for thank having you me, so man. Much. everyone, it's Akila Friend here from Monuments to Me podcast. If you're a fan of current events and cultural podcasts, then be sure to check out and subscribe to Monuments to Me. It's a show that covers societal issues, pop culture, and of course, Black women's empowerment. It's brought to you exclusively by the Revolt Podcast Network, a network anchored in hip-hop, powered by creators. 